Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, the free agent frenzy continued today. We have all the agreements and where the new faces will be headed to new places. The Bucks, well, so far they've done nothing. That's made their fans really happy, again, all over social media, except they did re-sign some of their own guys. As a matter of fact, Mike Evans and Cameron Brait met the media. We'll have what they had to say about their new deals. The Lightning lose to Ottawa 7-4. JT Miller with his first career hat trick. Ryan McDonough with a goal. So at least the Rangers showed up in that game. So what do the Lightning have to do to get ready for the playoffs? We'll talk to Joe Smith, beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with Steve Verstick, our producer. And once again, I apologize for my voice. I've been under the weather, and when I say under the weather, I don't mean I have spring fever. This could be the flu. We'll see. Uh, but I'm playing hurt, and I appreciate you guys listening to me this way. We'll do the best we can to get through it. Lots and lots of news with the NFL and the free agent negotiating period that continued on Tuesday. Let's start with all the quarterback deals. You know, it's, uh, I guess, a good thing if you're not one of these teams in search of a quarterback. The Bucks certainly aren't, despite sort of an up-and-down year that Jameis Winston had. They feel pretty good about their quarterback situation. But a lot of quarterbacks changing teams and changing hands. Of course, the big domino that had to fall was Kirk Cousins. And he's sort of been, you know, the prized free agent at quarterback and he goes to the Minnesota Vikings. It kind of felt like that deal, even though, you know, the legal tampering period, if you will, or the negotiating period didn't begin until Monday at noon. But you got a sense that if the Vikings were willing to put all three of their quarterbacks essentially on the free agent market, they must've had a pretty good feeling about who they were bringing in. And so cousins goes there, gets around $28 million a year, all three years guaranteed. So this is becoming almost like baseball, which is a rare thing in the NFL but he had that kind of leverage, and so he moves from the Redskins, where he threw for 4,000 year, yards almost every year, to the Minnesota Vikings. And, Steve, we were talking before the podcast. I think, I think you're right when you say that, you know, the Vikings had a team that made it to the NFC Championship game, and despite all the, the great things that Case Keenum do, did, they really believe that they're one piece away, and that piece is Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think that they have a roster that's built to win a Super Bowl. They're in their window right now, and they upgraded the quarterback position. So yeah. what's to what's to complain? We were having this conversation at dinner before the Lightning game, not you and I, but some other folks. Sure. And I said they upgraded the quarterback position. Now, is Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, or Aaron Rodgers? Or Tom no, Brady? he's not. No. Right. But did they upgrade over Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater or, or Sam Bradford? I believe they yes. did. And so the most important position on the field, they upgrade with a r- roster that's loaded that could win a Super Bowl. It's a good move for them. I think it's a really good move, and, and I don't think you do it unless you get Kirk Cousins, who, like I said – um, sort of maybe the biggest free agent quarterback to be available since, what, Peyton Manning, who at that point of his career was hurt. Here's a guy that's barely 30 years old and has, you know, accomplished some things. And check this out, too, for, for Kirk Cousins. So he's made 50-some million dollars, I think, to this point in his career, if I, if I remember correctly. It's off the top of my head. but He's been franchised twice, yeah. yeah. So he signed a three-year deal now for 80-some mm-hmm. million dollars guaranteed. When this mm-hmm. deal ends, he's still only going to be 32. He's in yeah. line for another big contract when this one comes up. 
and that's why you're seeing a lot of three-year deals in free agency. It's really kind of smart, I guess. Uh, look, most of those most of those fourth years aren't guaranteed anyway. So, mm-hmm. really, in football, it matters is how much money they're going to guarantee, not how long the contract is. Uh, these these free agents are realizing that hey, I can not only get the big deal this time, but in three years, I can get another big deal. And, and the money may be to, bigger by that point. Salary it, well, caps absolutely, and else. sure, absolutely, it will be bigger. Um, who'd have thought that you know twenty eight million? I mean, by the time you know it rolls around, and uh, I don't know. Jameis Winston is due for a new contract. Those guys will be making over thirty million dollars. I mean, I totally believe that because the uh, you know salary cap and the and the amount of designated revenue for the for the salary cap goes up and up each year. So they they let their quarterbacks go, and everybody sort of jumps on the Vikings quarterbacks. Starting with the Denver Broncos and John Elway out there takes on Case Keenum, the Vikings quarterback who did so well last season for around eighteen to twenty million dollars, kind of a cap friendly deal. And at least, at least the Denver Broncos know, and this has not been the case for like the last three seasons, there's no competition this year. When they go to training camp, Case Keenum, like I said, who took a team to the championship game, he's their quarterback. And everybody knows it, and they feel confident in him. Now, I'm, I don't think that precludes. In fact, I would be willing to bet that Denver drafts a quarterback. Uh, I still think that they look for the guy that's going to be their future. Uh, don't know if that'll be with a first pick or just exactly how they will do that, but Case Keenum goes to the Denver Broncos. And so where was the other Well, any, tru- any true to the rumor that John Elway called the NFL and asked to be moved to the NFC South to play the Bucks twice a year? No, but I'll tell you what. I actually I, I, just, I tweeted something about that. I looked it up. The Bucks have to be deliriously happy that Case Keenum's in the AFC. Um, he is a buck killer, and he did it you know, for, for every team he played for, uh, especially the Rams and then, of course, Minnesota last year. But they don't play the Denver Broncos, and I think they'll play them out there in 2020. So unless they get to the Super Bowl and at that case, and in that point you'll take your chances. Um Case Keenan will not be will not be beating up the Bucks. It's a good thing for them that he's in the AFC and maybe a bad thing for Case Keenum. Well, that's that, that season they're going to play Case Keenum and John Gruden. That's that's right. I'll tell you what man, Case Keenum, you know what I mean? We got uh, Teddy Bridgewater who's going to be a Bridgewater quarterback, a bridge to somebody, I would think. Teddy Bridgewater he does a one-year deal with the New York Jets, who also re-signed, yeah, 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 one and eight, one and eight, Josh McCown. Josh McCown returns to a New York Jets team for a change. He gets to play in the same city or same team twice in a row, which is great for him. So they're going with McCown and they're going with Bridgewater. And that's that's kind of a nice, I like that tandem. I mean, I think McCown will probably maybe get the start. And eventually they'll move Bridgewater in there and see what he can do coming off those injuries. Sam Bradford, this is unbelievable to me, by the way. Look, I remember when Sam Bradford came out in 2010. It was the last year that rookies had no rookie salary pool. They weren't bound by, you know, a certain salary that's slotted. And, in fact, back then, uh, the money was so large, but most of it was paid, if you were a first overall pick or a top ten pick, most of it was paid in signing bonus. It wasn't really even guaranteed money. It was just upfront money. I want to say Sam Bradford got well over $50 million to sign when he was uh, drafted coming out of Oklahoma. He was number one overall. Um, went to the Rams, I want to say. Is that right? Yes. St. Louis, I believe. And, of course, he's bounced around everywhere and uh, Philly and different places. But he uh, gets a chance now to go to the Arizona Cardinals for $20 million, another $20 million to Sam Bradford, who is, I would, I would presume, is going to be their starter. 
And this is a pretty good move on Mike Lennon's part, and the Glennon mob won't be happy that Mike is not backing up Jameis Winston, but Mike Glennon also goes is going to go to Arizona once he's cut by the Bears tomorrow sometime, and he will essentially compete for a starting job, or in the case of backing up Sam Bradford, it means you're going to play week three because Sam just has this proclivity for getting hurt all the time. So that's their tandem of quarterbacks out there in Arizona, and I still think the Cardinals as well with those two are sort of advertising that they're in it for a quarterback at some point in the draft, I would think. The Saints, there was a lot of talk about Minnesota offering Drew Brees $30 million a year or something like that. Of course, he goes back to the New Orleans Saints for about $25 million a year, uh, about 27 of it guaranteed. So really, if you look at it, it's a one-year deal. I mean, Brees is going to be uh, – he's 40 years old now, so who knows how much longer he will play. I had a, uh, somebody with the Atlanta Falcons uh, that I talked to at the Combine said they really think that the Saints are going to be active in signing a lot of players just because – they have to go for it. They know the window is so small with Drew Brees and Sean Payton right now. Uh, and really, if not for the Hail Mary last year with the Vikings, I think they would have been, well, they would have been in the NFC Championship game. I would have given them a good chance to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Instead, uh, that did not happen. So now, you know, the Bucks were not going to be in it for a quarterback. We know that. They re-signed Ryan Fitzpatrick as their backup some time ago. But there were some players that I know Bucks fans kind of had an eye on, and so did I, quite frankly, a little bit. Um, a couple of them ended up going to the Tennessee Titans and John Robinson, who was, as you remember, Jason Light's right-hand man in the personnel department. John Robinson, you know, schooled or, or tutored or brought up through the New England Patriots organization and Bill Belichick. He's got Mike Vrabel as his head coach. Well, they could dip back into the New England players, and they get Malcolm Butler, the cornerback, who I thought was an, an option here until they re-signed Brent Grimes. Well, get the, the amount of money Malcolm Butler is going to get. Five years, $61 million and $30 million guaranteed. Look, I like Malcolm Butler as a player. He is, he is not Terrell Rivas in his prime. Um, he's not Richard Sherman uh, in his prime. It's $30 million guaranteed for Malcolm Butler. God bless him that he got that money. They also got the running back that I thought would have helped the Bucs a little bit just because of his versatility, Deion Lewis who uh, has had some injuries, but, again, another uh, New England Patriot that you would think John Robinson and Brable are very familiar with. So they get Deion Lewis and, and try to build around Marcus Mariota uh, and, uh, and help their defense at the same time. Now, all these deals have not been signed. I mean, the signing period is actually 4 o'clock on Wednesday. And so, you know, these are the negotiating, the announced negotiating deals. These guys could also change their minds. It doesn't happen often. It could happen. The Packers, meanwhile, they get Jimmy Graham, the tight end from Seattle, used to play at New Orleans. New Orleans thought they had a chance to get Graham back, but, you know, he's 30, 31 years old, still has a little juice left in him. Um, But he's going to team up with Aaron Rodgers to give him a big target, which I think is kind of a smart move. The Packers are a team that never used to delve into free agency that much under Ted Thompson, but now they have a new GM up there, and so they get Jimmy Graham, and they cut Jordy Nelson, their wide receiver, that – uh, it was interesting, upon cutting him, they had a statement that essentially promised that Jordy Nelson was going into the Packers' ring of honor, which uh, is pretty stunning when you consider the Bart Stars and Nitschkes and people that are up on that on that uh, ring of honor. But I think Nelson's had a number of injuries over the last few years. He doesn't have quite the speed that he did. And, um, well, so and to announce that he's going in the ring of honor that quickly, and they didn't even do that with Brett Favre. I know. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. And then, like I said, 
go see you know go see Lombardi and Curly Lambeau and those guys up there on that on that stadium. It's it's uh, at Lambeau Field. That's that's high praise. I mean, it's nothing against the Bucks Ring of Honor. You got some Hall of Famers in there too. But we're talking about you know one of the original franchises uh, in the National Football League, and of course a storied one at that. So. I guess that part for Jordy Nelson uh, maybe takes the sting off of getting cut. We'll see if he resumes his career. So everybody, uh, it seems, on at least my Twitter um, page and, and people tweeting at me about what are the Bucks doing, what are the Bucks doing, Why, you know, another player left, and so on and so forth. And we've, we've talked about this a little bit this week, that you know these guys can only go one place, and there's 31 other teams beside the Bucks. But it's clear to me uh, that the Bucks are not – you know, in it for big money players this year. And, you know, they might actually have some trouble attracting guys given so the situation. Say, are, are they not in it or are they striking out? Well, we don't know. I mean, I think I think they're kicking tires. I don't know how serious they are about paying big money after, you know, the failures with Chris Baker. Deshaun Jackson didn't exactly have a great year last year, although he's still on the roster. But, you know, they guaranteed him $20 million. And, and then you also got to wonder about the other part. I mean, this is sort of like college recruiting, right? So aside from the state income tax and the really nice weather, um, what are you selling here in Tampa Bay? It's a 5-11 and 11 football team. Yeah, you might have a quarterback you, you might still believe in, uh, but the head coach is lame duck for sure. He has to win or everybody knows he's gone. Same thing with the GM. So you could have a whole new regime in here next year if you have options. If you're a player that you know wants to get in the postseason or has some bonuses for doing that, um, much like Brent Grimes does, but – you know, there are other places that you can go. So uh, I haven't haven't really determined whether it's because they're striking out or just really not not you know dipping a toe into that. We'll know more tomorrow. I'll say this about the Bucks: they keep they do keep their cards pretty close to their chest. I mean, they, those guys when they talk to agents, uh, you know, you have to sign a blood oath. I've had many agents tell me that you know the Bucks Bucks really don't want anyone talking uh, about you know about who the Bucks are talking to. So that part is is part of it, but can we uh, get past this whole idea that Indomicon Sioux is coming to Tampa Bay? Now, watch. I'll say this now, and then they'll sign him tomorrow for twenty five million dollars a year. Uh, and it is, I, I get it. It would be enticing to think that you would have, you know, Indomicon Sioux and Gerald McCoy playing next to each other, which you know, eight years ago would have been a hell of a thing if you could do it with the number two and three picks in the draft. Um, but you're not going to have Batman and Superman, uh, as uh, J.P. Peterson called him today, uh, playing next to each other. I don't see it. I really don't. And the funny thing is, is that, and I think Sue, look, I still, Sue can still play. I mean, there's no question he can play. What the Dolphins didn't like about him is, is that he's a little bit of a mercenary at this point in his career. He's in it for the money. And, you know, even though, even though he's a good player, he's not, I mean, the Dolphins made it sound like he's some kind of, you know, malcontent or they had to get rid of him to, you know, addition by subtraction, which I'm not really sure what the Dolphins are doing, getting rid of all their talent. But I don't see – first of all, I don't see the Bucks paying him. They probably have to pay him more than Gerald McCoy, which would absolutely just, you know, put Gerald in a jar because his whole career has been compared to this guy. And even though they could play well together and I think it would be a great tandem, I, I, this is not the type of player that I think the Bucks are looking for because it's it's too high profile to me. It's too big money. So we'll see. I mean, I could be wrong about this. I know people are, are clamoring for it, but we'll know a little bit more at 4 o'clock. If there's a guy that has any kind of a resume or pedigree 
when Adam Schefter starts spitting out all the deals, and most of them, so many of them are already done, at 4 o'clock tomorrow, we'll hear something about the Bucks. If not, they're going to be in it for some second-tier guys. I mean, guys like Star Latulai went to Buffalo. I mean, you know, there are players that I thought they would have interest in, and they still didn't get them. So I'm not really sure what they're going to do. What we do know they're doing, though, is they're re-signing their own guys. And, of course, that started with Mike Evans last Friday. And then, of course, you know, you've had Cameron Brait and Dar- uh, Darius Glanton and Adam Humphreys was offered a, uh, a second-year tender. Well, today, Mike Evans and Cameron Brait had their news conference uh, after their signing. They actually went in and physically uh, signed the contract, which I always thought must be a hell of a moment, right, when you're sitting down and you're seeing the kind of numbers that uh, were thrown at these guys, $82.5 million dollars. Fifty-one, fifty-five million dollars guaranteed. In the case of Brait, that's kind of like your contract at uh, at iHeartRadio, right? When you were, it was well, yeah. And that's frankly. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. That's why they probably got rid of me. It was very close to that. And then you get $18 million guaranteed, $41 million contract for Cameron Brait. What was cool about these two guys in my opinion, is they are both, you know, sitting there together, but they come from totally different backgrounds and perspectives. And that's what's neat about football, quite frankly. I mean, you think about the success that they both have had to get to this point. And you start with the fact that in Mike Evans' case, you know, he was, what, the sixth or seventh overall pick in the draft. So a lot of expectations on a wide receiver taking that high. And it was quite the receiver class you remember Sammy Watkins and guys like that were uh, Sammy Watkins was the only receiver taken ahead of him and Mike has been the most consistent by far I mean four 1,000 yard seasons but you know Mike from a from a tough background a lot of domestic violence in his family you know uh, that whole story that was been well documented about you know his uncle murdering his father and everything that he had to overcome and was a great athlete played only two years of college football at A&M but he fulfilled, you know, what, what the expectations and maybe then some as a high first-round pick, which is hard to do because, I th- you know, the, look, the bust rate in the first round in the NFL for almost every player is about 50%. But Mike Evans made it. In the case of Cam Brait, here's a guy from Harvard who, you know, not exactly a football factory. In fact, at the time, I think before he got here, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick was the only player from Harvard in the NFL. So he looks like he's headed to Wall Street. And instead, he gets, uh, you know, a rookie tryout, is cut three different times by the Buccaneers, but he sticks with it. At one point, he was with the Saints, I think, for a week. And, you know, all he does is keep working, you know, get bigger, catch as many balls as he can from Jameis, and he becomes one of the league's best red zone targets among tight ends with 14 touchdowns over the last two years. So uh, it was interesting listening to Jason Light, Dirk Cutter, Mike Evans, Cameron Brait, We'll start with Jason Light talking about sort of what a thrill it is to be able to reward these guys from different backgrounds. Mike and Cam come from different uh, backgrounds. They've had different paths to get to where they are today, but they both um, 
have the perseverance factor. Um, both have had trials and tribulations in their life to get them to where they are. They are both extremely hard workers, they're passionate, they hold themselves accountable, and they're selfless. And those are the qualities that we look for in a Buccaneer, and we're just thrilled to have these two guys that embody those things. I think they're also proof that it doesn't matter where you're drafted or if you're drafted, that if you can perform, then we'll reward you thanks to the, uh, the resources that the Glazer family gives us. Jason Light talked about Cam Brate, how they found him, and the journey he's had from an undrafted free agent to this big contract. You know, some guys just, it's, it depends on their, they have to, the time, timing is a lot of it. Um, I know Cam, we were very fortunate to get him as a rookie tryout player for our minicamp. He was after he was at two places before this. Um, we took a chance on him. We had reports on him. We had good reports on him. Um, our roster was filled at the, at the moment, at the time, 90 people. So we signed him as a tryout, and it was after a day that we realized his size, he was smart, worked hard, caught the ball well, that he just kind of fell into our lap. And sometimes that happens. So decided to work with Cam and thought he was a good developmental guy. At one point, let him go to a, for a week which was, could have been the worst mistake that I've ever made. But we were lucky enough to uh, get him back the following week. So, you know, Cam just worked extremely hard. He's a different player than he was that day because now he's one of the best tight ends in the league. But just fortunate, I guess. He can also, remember, was the last year, one of my favorite restaurants, 717, has a sea bass. And he, I saw him in there. I said, have you ever tried the sea bass? He said, I can't afford that. So you can, you can afford that now. It's pretty expensive. Mike Evans talked about how he felt about earning his second contract and being able to stay in Tampa Bay. Uh, it's just a testament to my hard work. Um, and just, uh, you know, they, just, they just showed me respect. You know, um, as soon as I got here, I just worked hard. I had great teammates. I've just been in an awesome position. Um, you know, I, I just, it was hard for me to fail because I just had so many great people around me. Um, I don't know, it's just, just how I am. It's how I just worked hard, and it happened. You know, I, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, a big contract or anything like that, honestly. Uh, it happened, and, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I do love money. Everybody does. But, uh, you know, money doesn't define me at all. Um, you know, I'm happy I got a big deal uh, and set the, set the bar high for a lot of guys uh, coming up. Uh, but really, ultimately, I just want to win games. For all the flack about the Bucks not having reached an agreement with a free agent just yet, and again, the signing period isn't until today at 4 o'clock. Dirk Cutter made it clear that, you know what, this is how you build a good franchise. You draft players and you develop them, and then you hope to get them to a second contract. Well, Jason and I both believe that that's how you, that's how you build a successful franchise is by, in Mike's case, you draft them. In Cam's case, you develop them, or they develop themselves, a combination of the two. You know, I just want to reiterate real, real quick, because these guys are two great examples. They're both being way too humble today. Uh, Mike just mentioned uh, it was he couldn't fail. Plenty of first-round draft picks do fail. Just look around the league. So Mike's Mike's done it uh, by how hard he's worked and how well he's played. And then Jason and Cam both told told Cam's story. The other end of the spectrum, the guy that comes up uh, undrafted. So to grow your own guys, whether they were drafted in the first round or or developed, and then get them to their second contract, that's the best way to to grow a franchise. 
And uh, these guys have both mentioned we, we do have a really good young core, and uh, we're really looking forward to how the future goes with these guys. It was interesting because, you know, if you know anything about Cam Braid, he's, uh, let's say, fiscally responsible, maybe to the nth degree. He's a Harvard guy, so he's a smart guy. He realized this money has to last a long time. Most he made was around $600,000, which is a lot of money, but if, if that's all you could make because this is football and your, your career could be over at any one time. So he has, he has two other roommates. He rooms with Adam Humphreys and also Ryan Griffin, the uh, quarterback. And the three of those guys, I guess, are going to continue to live together. But now that he has all this money, he can maybe catch up on some of the bills he owes. Ryan sent me a Venmo request for quite a bit of money yesterday. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure for what, but uh, you know, I, I think – you know the three the three amigos will will continue to uh, live together. Um, not sure if we'll stay in the same apartment or move somewhere else, but uh, yeah, I, I like uh, having those guys by my side. I'd like to add to that. Adam Humphreys called me yesterday <laughs> and said that uh, Cam still owes him for the cable bill this month. I did. Yeah, <laughs> I actually think I paid that one off today after I signed. So I mentioned the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. They lose seven to four to Ottawa. We're going to talk to. Lightning beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, Joe Smith. Before we do that, let me tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash sportsday to take advantage of the deal. That's audibletrial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. Steve, of course, you were at the Lightning game, as you are most of the home games, and uh, not a very impressive performance by the Lightning against Ottawa. Lightning um, outscored 7 to nothing. The Rangers outscored 7-4. to four. <laughs> How about that, huh? How about the two new Ranger guys um, just lighting it up? How about if you're J.T. Miller and you get your first career hat trick, but you can't really celebrate because your team got... That would suck so stumped. bad. Your first career hat trick. Um, with your new team, you know, like that's what you want to do is help your new. He's on a roll, by the way. I mean, that guy's that line. That line played really well tonight with Kucherov and Stamkos and JT Miller. They played really well. Yeah, and no one else did. So they kind of left uh, Andre Vasilevsky out to dry a few times. Some odd man rushes, a lot of guys in front of him, um, and it got to be just uh, got out of hand after a while. And eventually, I guess they eventually took Vasilevsky out of the game, right? At the end of the second, yeah, Budai came yeah. out and played the third period. Uh, it was already six to three at that point, right? So, not their best performance. They got some tough games coming up. I guess they got to play Boston. Boston's um, this Saturday. Boston is mm-hmm. four points back right now with two games mm-hmm. in hand. Boston will play Thursday and Sunrise first. The Lightning don't play again until Saturday. So, yeah, that game. If if Boston wins in Sunrise on Thursday, then that game the winner would be first place in the Atlantic, assuming it doesn't go to overtime. I like the fact that they got big games down the stretch to kind of put you in that playoff mode. That's kind of cool, especially when it's a team like Boston that you'll eventually probably have to face. They have three against Boston. Three. They've got Nashville still, who's the best team in the West, and they have uh, at least one against – I think it's just one against Toronto. Yep. Well, after the first period of this Ottawa game, Steve, you had a chance to talk to Joe Smith, a beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, about what the Lightning have to do over these next 12 games. That's all that's left. To prepare for the playoffs, here's that interview. 
All right, here with Joe Smith at uh, first intermission of the Lightning game versus Ottawa tonight. Not a very good first period for the Lightning so far, but we're going to actually look ahead for the next 12 games and the Lightning getting ready for the playoffs. Now, they haven't clinched yet, but this week most likely will clinch as the Magic Numbers 4 to get ahead of Columbus. So in the last 12 games, what are you looking for from the Lightning to work on to get ready for the playoffs? I think just more consistency. I mean, you look at the stretch, they're 9-0-1, so you seem like you're nitpicking if you're looking for things that are bad, but I think overall they'd be the first to say that, you know, you know, they've had needed some dramatics to, to win these games and, and shootouts and overtimes could be perhaps shoots at times they easily could have been five and four at this particular stretch. But I think it says something that they're able to find a way to win these games. It adds a lot of confidence to the team. Different guys are stepping up every night. It's a JT Miller one night, it's a it's a Sam Gus one night, it's a Braden Point, a lot of nights. Um, but I think the next twelve games, number one, get back to a more consistent sixty minute game. Number two, work on your penalty kill because that's been an issue this season. And get the new guys integrated into the team. JT Miller's been really good meshing with St. Louis Kucherov, but you want to get Ryan McDonough. Is he going to play with Girardi? Is he going to play with somebody else? Is he going to you know, mix it somewhere? Because the defensive pairings need to be kind of looked at or evaluated before the playoffs to see which was the best one uh, with guys like Strykachev and Dachin who will be their first playoff experience. Now, speaking of defensive pairings, tonight to start the game, it was Hedman and Strawman as your first pair, Girardi, McDonough as your second pair, and then Coburn and Sergachev as your third pair. Do you see that's probably what's going to happen in the playoffs, I mean, knowing the first two are probably going to get most of the minutes? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think, you know, they're going to try to mix and match and see if Jake Dodgson can, let's say, play like he did the last couple of games. Maybe he gets a chance to play with Hedman like he did in the last year, beginning of this year. Gives you a right left. It gives you a chance to have Strawman play with Sergachev. They played so well together this year. And then all of a sudden you have the second pairing pretty much is the McDonough and Girardi. So you can mix and match in the game. You don't have to play Sergachev as much in the playoffs. You play Hedman with Strawman. You kind of mix it up. But that way you can kind of have the guys who have continuity and uh, chemistry together to play. So I think they'll be last 12 games starting to tinker in. Get nine defensemen. You want to make sure you can see, you know, get Coburn into play. See if he can play with Sergachev really well. You try another thing out here and see how it goes. But overall it'll be some... A lot of experimenting, I think, going before the last game of the season. Speaking of rest, uh, Andre Vasilevsky's played a lot of hockey this year. It's first full season. He mentioned to you a week or two ago that he is feeling a little fatigued, maybe mentally as well as physically. Louis Domingue was sent back to Syracuse this week to play a couple games, but most likely will come back up here. They'll carry three goalies. How much work do you think Vasilevsky's going to get for the last 12 games as he gets ready for the playoffs? Well, I, Chuck Cooper said today that he's going to try to start as many as, you know, maybe nine or ten games probably in that stretch. You'll have um, Domingue or Budai play Sunday against Edmonton, I'm sure, uh, at the back-to-back. They don't have any back-to-backs left in the season other than the last two games of the season and that one. So you, you look and I would, I would be surprised. I mean, you want to get best will see some rest before the playoffs because you want him to start 25 more games if the playoffs go as even as they want it to go. But I think overall, you'll see best will see do maybe 80% of the games and you'll see um, Deming and, and, and Budai get the other ones. But overall, I mean, you look at this, they'll clinch a playoff spot in the next couple days, but Boston, if they win you know, tonight, they'd be only four points behind with the game against Florida on Thursday. All of a sudden, they're two points behind going into Saturday's game if the Lightning lose Tuesday against Ottawa. So they still have something to play for, even if they do make the playoffs already. They have that first place in the division could be very important for home ice and to not to play Toronto and Boston back-to-back series. Andre Pallott has been skating in the red no-contact jersey. When do we expect to see him back? And then how do you think he's going to be slotted in with the, the forward lines? With Anthony Sorelli's playing pretty well of late as he just came up in the first five or six games, where do you see Pallott fitting in? Well, I mean, he's a key part of this team, one of the best two-way forwards in, in all situations, so they'll, they'll they totally miss him. But he's still not ready. still probably a week or two away from coming back. 
still in the red jersey, as you mentioned. So I think maybe his goal is to play in a couple games at least, maybe the final week of the season before the playoffs, just to get his conditioning and timing back. And he can play anywhere. I mean, you can put him on the first line with Sam Gosen Kutrup. You can put him on the second line with uh, with Johnson and Point if you want to move Gord around. So he's so versatile and, and such a guy who can play all the way up down the lineup. I think that he provides you another option. And I still think that Sorelli might stick around a little longer. I mean, you know, no roster limits after the deadline. He's shown a lot. He's winning face-offs. Um, obviously, after the first couple of games in the NHL, he might take a little bit of a dip naturally as teams adjust to him and he adjusts to the league. But I think he's shown enough where he can get an extended look here before the season ends. You mentioned the penalty kill, and that's been kind of a bugaboo of late for the Lightning. Uh, they gave up another penalty kill or uh, power play goal on Tuesday night. What I mean, what can they do to, to fix that? I know that's something they're going to work on in practice, but um, you, what do you see them doing differently there? Well, that was a great shot uh, in that, the power play goal in that first period. So I don't know what Vasilev could have done in that one. But I think overall, getting McDonough acclimated into this penalty kill will help out things. He's really good at clearing the puck, which you saw last game against Montreal. Um, and think Andre Pilat, when he comes back, he'll be back part of that penalty kill. So I think getting some of those bodies in there personnel-wise will help. But I think overall... The struggle in this year a lot of times was clearing the puck out. They've had a chance to make the initial stop, then give them the puck back. And so overall, that'll be something that they need to work on and, and be more aggressive up top, too, not letting them get too many opportunities there, too. So, I mean, it's a work in progress. They've been trying to get better at it the last couple months of the season. And the, and the playoffs will be an even bigger deal because every goal so matters so, mo- matters so much. So I'll be interested to see how they, this plays out and to see how what Rick Bono's kind of adjusts to this situation. Free agent signing period then uh, will continue. Actually, it starts at 4 p.m. That's when all the deals will be uh, formally announced and then signed. So you want to be on hand for that. Check on TepeBay.com. As always, we want your feedback, and you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. That's at SportsDayTB. Or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, as many of you Certainly have been busy complaining about the Buccaneers and their lack of activity. Hopefully that will change. Uh, hopefully you'll get some players that you like coming in starting at 4 o'clock today. Um, and, of course, always on email. I'm at rstroud at tampabay.com. We want you to rate and review this podcast, and you can do that anywhere you can get our podcast. Right, Steve? Yeah, iTunes or Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and also always at tampabay.com slash sports. Thanks for listening. We hope you keep doing this every day. We enjoy uh, bringing you this podcast. And have a great day, everybody. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit